What's going on, everybody? Ears up in depth on a beautiful, rainy February uh, night, I guess is what it is. I don't know. It's an evening, whatever. Who cares anymore? Right? Labels are just <laughs> dumb anyway, right? They're social constructs, Jeremy. <laughs> All well, I know I is... You guys are, yeah. I hear you guys will be eating a lot of rain over the next few weeks. Yeah, it's supposed to be very, very bad. It was uh, this dark cloud was sort of next to in the city next to us. Like, you know, we live in a small town. You can kind of see just right mm-hmm. over the, you, you know, it's like, I don't know how many feet away, but it was out in the Delta and you could just see it. And it was nasty. It was gnarly. There was a lot of different cloud shapes and different layers of the clouds. And each layer had different colors, but they were all just the same, like gray. And um, I was like, I really want that over my head right now. Cause I love that. I love that vibe. I love the rain. Yes. I love all of it. Um, but it never, it never landed. And then it was really blue skies. And then supposedly tonight and tomorrow is going to be that atmospheric river, the pineapple express. Yeah. You guys have been getting this. Uh, gonna, you got it la- I feel like you had it last year too. We, we've had it for river. a couple of years. Yeah. Apparently the uh, Southern California is supposed to get really soaked as well. Mm. And, uh, so I was like, man, of all the times to not go to the, I would love to be in the parks. I love being in the parks when it rains. It's so, it, it's just awesome. It's really great because it doesn't last very long and sort of keeps right. everybody else away. Oh, that's the best part about it. Yeah. Anything to drive people away from my person <laughs> is something yeah. that I rel- relish. I sometimes th- lay awake at night and, uh, and just go like, in what reality do I have the chutzpah, I suppose, to want to go to a very, very busy theme park, but also hate the fact that other people want to do the same thing I do. <laughs> like, where do I get off, de- you know, thinking I deserve to have this place empty by myself? And even when it's empty, I can see someone like right around the corner going, I- go away. This is my area. Stop. <laughs> Leave me alone. Well, you know, when you look at pictures from the parks back in the 70s and the, you know, the early 80s. Yeah. They weren't shoulder to shoulder, cheek to jowl. Right. You know, there was room to sort of spread out. And if you think about it, you know, we have in if we had in in 1971, this country had two Magic Kingdom style parks and a population, you know, two thirds of what it is today. And now we still have two Magic Kingdom style (laughs) parks and and 400 million people. So I don't know. I think we might need I think it might be okay. Disney could probably do another Magic Kingdom style park somewhere and, and still be able to make money. Oh, for sure. And they Absolutely. don't seem to do it. No, not in the States, for sure. And the problem with uh, Disney World is you get a lot of Europeans coming over there. So, like, it feels like the, the numbers inflate where, you know, Europeans I think. And a lot of Brazilian. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, when Taryn and I were there, uh, we met a, an English bloke in the pool. And he was like, yeah, a lot of English people come over here. Like, it's our thing. We do it, like, four times a year or whatever because this is five hours. It's, lo- it's, it's longer for us to come over than it is for them to come over. Sure. Which is wild to me. I don't know. Wild. Distance is weird, right? Measurements are weird. Anyway, Jerry, you want to do some news, bud? Sure. All right, let's do some news. You want me to go first? Let me all go first. Okay. All right. This is the one I'm, I'm, I'm excited for. I'm, uh, I'm, let me get this out of the way. It's Nelson Peltz is back in the news. Our buddy, our big old buddy, Nelson Peltz. Um, this is from The Hollywood Reporter. The title is Disney Activist Investor, which uh, I don't know. Is he an activist? Is he a Disney activist investor? I, I don't know. It seems weird. Uh, reveals which board members he's targeting to oust. So, you know, we've sort of dropped off doing the Nelson Peltz news, uh, mainly because there really wasn't a whole lot to talk about. You know, it's just little actions here or there. He was in the interviewed about his passion or whatever. And boring. But he's dropping names. It's like, I got I to <laughs> I gotta read this, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, this is very good. Uh, Peltz, uh, Nelson Peltz's try-in partners on Wednesday released its preliminary proxy statement in which it had said it would ask shareholders to withhold their votes for current Disney board members, Michael B.G. Froman and Maria Alana Lagomasino, Lagomasino, and instead vote for Peltz and former Disney CFO Jay Rosulo to join the board. Tryon argues against voting for Froman, quote, <laughs> and this is the best, quote, because he has no experience as a public company director outside of Disney and has spent most of the past 25 years of his career in fields 
which appear largely unrelated to Disney's businesses, working as a federal trade representative, a national security advisor, and a financial executive, end quote. I thought that's pretty, I don't know. I, I don't know why. I thought that was really funny. Tryon's argument against Lagomasino is, quote, because her background in wealth management also appears largely unrelated to Disney's businesses. And due to her position on the Disney Compensation Committee, in which she, quote, has overseen a number of misaligned compensation practices. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, which I read another article uh, that says she came from, I think it was Citibank or someone, some other company where she's sort of notorious for overcompensating uh, the board. Well. And I wonder why she got hired. That's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the person approving my giant raise. Let's get them in. They want, I want them to be uh, free-flowing with the purse strings. Yeah, that's it. Basically, blah, 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 blah. So I was looking into these people because I was like, I've never heard of these people. I want to know what's going on. Uh, Michael Froman, uh, Michael Braverman, Goodman Froman, BG Froman. He is from San Rafael. He's a Bay Area boy. So that's pretty cool. He's a, he's a, a lawyer. And, you know, like, like the other article said, he was, um, you know, he did some stuff for the United States Department of Treasury. And he was uh, appointed by Obama for, um, you know, Council on Foreign Relations or whatever. In April 2018, he was hired by MasterCard as vice chairman and president for strategic growth. And later that year, he became director of the Walt Disney Company. And I looked, he is still currently vice chairman and president for strategic growth at MasterCard. I feel like these are very, very high level jobs. How are you able to sit on both boards doing these like big giant projects? I, I don't know. It seems, uh, it seems like there might be a little bit of, not conflict of interest, but a little bit of a distraction. I, well, I don't think that's uncommon. I mean, Steve Jobs was on the Disney board. Isn't that right? Uh, I think you're right. CEO of Apple, and he was on the Disney board. I think being on the board isn't like a full time kind of gig. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And he was he's on he's currently on a bunch of other stuff. And I know wealthy people do that. They're on six boards or whatever. Like Taryn's uncle's on like a million boards or whatever. But I just I want and they get paid a lot for it, which is great. If you can get a board mm -hmm. gig, you're set. Yeah, take it. Yeah, right. I don't know. It just it it feels like with the amount of fire that Disney's been under lately. Uh, and their their lack of success at the box office and the stock's not doing really well. I don't know. You would sort of think you would want someone whose singular focus is helping the company, not helping this company, and then you have to switch gears to go to MasterCard or then do this other one in German or whatever. I don't know. It seems kind of weird to me. Well, there was a really fascinating article. I don't know if you read it. It was in the Wall Street Journal this week. And actually, I bookmarked it because I thought I'm, this might come up. And it talked about how the incredible similarities between Iger right now and Eisner in around 2002, 2003 at the end of his tenure. Oh, no, I and haven't seen that. They, oh, you know, they had bought a bunch of product at that point from Fox. I can't remember what that was. But one of the things that they said that when they went through these parallels, like first, they, first of all, they're describing basically the Disney company in 2003, but they don't tell you that. They okay. just start describing. They're like, the board was this. The, the CEO was this. And starting. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's now. And then they go. And then Michael Eisner and you go, oh, my God, that all happened then. And it's happening <laughs> now. Like, it's shocking. Yeah. And the, in fact, the title of the article was the sequel Iger didn't want. And Ooh. it almost is kind of like, oh, you were so into all these sequels and now it's like biting you in the butt. But one of the, anyway, what made me think of this was one of the things you said was about the board. And w one thing that this pointed out was that all of the board members are now basically just Iger's buddies. Yes. So this yes. is like he's just gotten all these people on there. That's so that's what this article was saying is like this isn't some independent board looking out for the best interests of the company. This is Iger's friends now. And they weren't all his friends when they joined, but they are now his friends. And but, so their loyalties are to him, their loyalties. So there's yeah. a lot of, and I think that's one of the big concerns of Pelts. And that's why he's trying to get on there. Yeah, Which I agree. And I will look, if I, because I sold some shares, I think I still have like five shares left. So if I could still vote, I'm a vote for Pelts, dude, absolutely. Because I think yeah. the board, number one, I think it's, look, at the end of the day, I think it's extraordinarily funny that this is happening to one of the, if not the greatest, most well-known brand, maybe aside from Coca-Cola, 
to ever exist on this friggin' planet, especially right now today. Such a cultural juggernaut, such a driver of not only commerce, but um, but nostalgia and and just brand awareness and entertainment and whatever. There's so much they're responsible for. To have them fighting on the board level about who's going to stay on and who gets to go and how to run things. And very, it's all very public and it's very, very funny to me. It's excruciatingly funny. So I, if I can play any tiny little part in, in exacerbating that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it because it's very funny to me. And I think Nelson Peltz has a couple good points. These people, these people don't have any experience. You know, they're, they're one of them's coming from financial background and he's a lawyer. Like who, how does that translate into whatever you do on the board? Unless you're the CFO or, or legal counsel, doesn't. A little bit of a dissenting voice, some loyal opposition is never a bad thing. What's bad right. is a rubber stamp, unanimous. The, when, when in the world does a, a unan, unanimity get you the best results? No, you need, you need dissonance. You need someone who's, who's voicing another opinion. You need other opinions in the room yeah. so that you get the best results. And I think a little loyal opposition on the Disney board would be very welcome. I agree. I definitely agree. It's like when I said, you know what, Jeremy, what I'm going to start doing is using pictures of all of our thighs to promote these shows. So give me pictures, give me some thigh pictures. And you're like, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, no, I refuse. Yeah. And I said, well, uh, okay, that's fine. Then I guess I won't do it. So I appreciate calves that. Calves only. <laughs> only calves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, that's my story. Very brief. Nelson Peltz is at it again, brother. While Disney is always tightening the strings of their purse, the competition is building an epic universe. <laughs> this week, Universal Orlando Resort unveiled details of the new theme park they're constructing in Orlando called Epic Universe, which is slated to open next year in 2025. And what's next weird year. is saying that next year is 2025. <laughs> yeah. When you were in high school, did you ever like go, oh man, one day we're going to write... 2010 or whatever and just didn't like blow your mind <laughs> right yeah saying 2025 is very uh i don't know it gives me a tingle yeah it gives me a definite tingle the park was originally announced in august of 2019 by the way that's when disney announced the epcot overhaul um <laughs> which is still sputtering yeah and nothing like what they announced it's all right. completely fallen flat the park will use the hub and spoke format that Disney's Disneyland and Magic Kingdom style parks employ. Okay, nice, nice. The central hub of Epic Universe will be called Celestial Park. This is Universal's attempt to put the park back in theme park. It will feature open spaces, rolling gardens, chasing waterways, and strolling pathways alongside architecture inspired by astronomical and mythological elements. Mm. Okay, that seems like this should be off a truck stop somewhere in the Midwest. Like, who, astrological elements? Weird. It, this is supposed to be where heaven, the heavens meet the earth. And right. I think this is awesome because you know what? It's original. That is, yes. Yeah, you're right. I will, I will, I will, I will say that. It is original. Just the description, you know, unlike <laughs> Disney's big announcement which is oh we're retheming the pier to be pixar pier and uh we're gonna we have a bunch of original stuff we're gonna slap these characters all over it and now bing bong's gonna be in the emotional circle like who cares bing bong it's all i forgot that it was a character name so now they got it i don't even know if he's from that movie i don't bing know bong. okay but that's a name that i have to deal with so, and here, the, the creatives at Universal are being unleashed. Don't worry about the IP. Here is your place to, and they're going with mythological and astronomical signals. They're looking to the heavens. They're looking to mythology. This is amazing. This reminds me, astronomical and mythology, that reminds me of Tapestry of Nations, and they use those astrolabes to tell the story of the time. I'm, I can't, I'm so, I'm just glad someone's doing it. Did, did Celestial they, part. Sorry, did they release artwork? Oh, there, there's a, not Concept only that, art? there's like a 3D video flyover of the park there's there's wow. 30 minutes of artwork wow disneyland forward we have one sketch on a map not really but uh okay well while you're reading i'm going to look at it because so far i'm not really into astrological signs so i don't really i'm like eh but i would love to look at the artwork and maybe it'll not change my astrological mind. astronomical oh <laughs> yeah, i'm thinking like taurus and pisces no, this is like this <laughs> i'm is thinking the zodiac astronomy okay <laughs> i swear to god you said astrology 
That's Maybe what I, I heard. I'm gonna I look, very well could have. I'm going to look back at the summary. This whole thing is different now. It's just a, a statue of Neil deGrasse Tyson. It, yes. Celestial Park will feature three attractions. The Starfall Racers dual track roller coaster and the Constellation. Where So on this, you ride on a shooting star. That's the concept. Okay. The Constellation Carousel, which will be similar to the sea, gra- sea glass carousel in New York City, as well as the Astronomica Splash Pad. None of those attractions is IP related at all. It's all wow. art and space. This is a garden. Nice. No IP. I love that. It's original. Yeah. It's probably going to have some original area music, and I got to get in there. Maybe I need to. Spectra Radio is going universal full time, baby. <laughs> Jurassic Park. You know what? You might you might be you might do well to like do a couple hours every now and then of Universal or like other theme parks. You know that'd be uh, that'd be cool. Yeah, well, it's better than all this crap that Disney's churning out. I don't want to listen to any of it. There are literally there have been multiple things that have come out from Disney, like the Disney Cruise release some music. It's yeah. so unlistenable. I won't put it on the station. I'm not listening to that. I'm not paying, and I'm not paying for others to listen to it. You know what's funny is the best the best Disney music that's being released that I've come across is um, on our last show. Uh, Eric and I were sitting there doing some news, and they did a like a chill hop, you know, like hip hop, but like lo fi hip hop kind of, but not really lo fi. It's more chill hop, right? Um, okay. Of of Disney songs that they're going to be playing in the new Pixar um, when they retheme the hotel or whatever. And so it's called mm, Pixar, Pixar Place. The album's yeah. called, and it's really good. Oh, that's yeah. good. But it's very funny because it's like a lot of traditional or at least, you know, stuff from all the movies and whatever. It's not, I mean, it, it's original, but I guess what people want is just the old stuff. And, you know, I don't know. By the way, that's going swimmingly because um, people are reporting that they're already charging the new prices for the hotel but not all of the renovations are done so you people are getting <laughs> old rooms at new prices and what they've done is they've put wow. just a throw pillow that's the shape of that star like that ball logo that's you know oh like yeah, yeah, yeah 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 they've put that pillow on the beds so now you get to pay the new price. wow i would be not going not down. fun i would not be happy with them yeah, that's the latest on Twitter. Anyway, from Celestial Park, guests will be able to transit through several ports, which will take them into the various theme lands of Epic Universe, including the Wizarding World of Harry Potter's Ministry of Magic, which will be different from the other two Harry Potter lands. I guess there's a Harry- Fantastic Beasts, which I guess yeah. is a Harry Potter property, but it takes place more in Paris. So it's going in that direction. Yeah. And it's like 200 years before the Harry Potter universe, I think, is if I remember correctly. Oh, I read that it takes place in the 1920s, but maybe maybe I misread mm, that. I don't know. Who I'm knows? not a big, I'm not into Harry Potter. I don't know it that well. Yeah. Super Nintendo World, which will be Orlando's version of a Mario themed land that has already been open in Japan and California. Next is How to Train Your Dragon. Isle of Burke, where guests will be able to soar with dragons in a colorful world filled with Viking adventures based on the How to Train Your Dragon series. Then, the spooky dark universe where guests will encounter everything from the experiments of Dr. Victoria Frank. This is called, oh wait, what is this called? Dark Dark Universe. Yeah. Yeah. We'll encounter everything from the experiments of Dr. Victoria Frankenstein to the shadowy landscape where monsters roam in a world of myth and mystery. Universal Epic Mm. Universe will also include the Universal Helios Grand Hotel, which will be incorporated into the park and feature its um, own entry into the park, designed to transport guests to a world where the heavens and the earth unite, complete with 500 rooms, one-of-a-kind views. There will will also be two new Universal Hotels near the park as well, Universal Stella Nova Resort and Universal Terra Luna Resort. Let's listen to the chairman of universal destinations and experiences mark woodbury on his comment all right yeah i'm sorry i'm like flipping through the um the art it it looks pretty good i'm gonna i'm not gonna lie mark woodbury here we go over my 35 years i've often been asked what my favorite ride is my standard answer is the next one we live by the ethos that the next thing we do is going to be better than the last thing we did so even though we've, we've created some really incredible experiences, we're always looking to how do we make the next one even better? 
And it really starts back with the origins of our business back in 1964 with the world famous Universal Tram Tour. And from there, we expanded and built the first standalone park at Universal Studios Florida, which really became about writing the movies. And that was an invention of Steven Spielberg. Yeah, I mean, you know, classically, if you give people behind the scenes looks, they are going to line up for it, no matter what it is. Everyone wants to know how things work, and especially movies. And I'm sort of surprised Disneyland doesn't have like a behind the scenes tour where they put you on a tram and you kind of go around the back lot and you can kind of see some of the warehouses and stuff like that. You know, 15, 20 minute tour. Charge 500 bucks for that. Well, there is the walk and waltz footsteps tour. Yeah, but that's not the same. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. So it was interesting for me to hear him talk like that. And it sort of opened my eyes to something because what he said, first of all, I think he talks like a normal person. (laughs) Well, yeah. Is that, is that new for you? Well, it wasn't this overly (laughs) weird performative stuff that we get out of Josh tomorrow and Iger and all of that. They're, they're, they're nuts They're I don't know who their audience is, but it's like, this guy just wasn't giving an interview and talking. He's like, yeah, this is our ethos. We, I don't know. It felt, I just felt like, oh, this is a normal person who's trying to tell me something without too much pixie dust on it. Yes. And that's a, that's something that we've, we've railed on for a while on the show because it, it is, it's, it's weird. I mean, especially like me from a minor marketing background, it, it does, I would never do that. And I don't like it when people talk to me like that because it's very clear that you're selling me something, whether it's my own nostalgia or what. But this guy is just like, I really love this thing and we work really hard to try and stick to the thing that I really appreciate, which is moving forward. And that's really cool. Love it. So also, there's something else on my mind I want to bring up. Universal has been so mum about this. They made the announcement in 2019 and then Mm -hmm. we have heard zero. (laughs) yeah until now a year before it's opening and it's and what they're promising see the and also their their original artwork was very vague and they didn't say what was going to be in here there was a lot of speculation but a lot of this they really didn't tell us what was going to be in here i think last year he did confirm that super nintendo world would be part of it because he said it was he came out and said it's like the worst kept secret in the industry so he was like we're just going (laughs) to confirm that contrast that with epcot disney announced that built an Epcot experience that you went into and they told you all these things that were coming. Zach Ridley's on Instagram every week with the paint (laughs) chips and the new tile. Like every step of the way, it has been nonstop. Meanwhile, they did the unveiling. You go to Disney World right now. There are construction walls all over Epcot. It's not done. They pretended it's done. They added construction walls this week. Yeah, I thought it was done. If you had asked me, I would have said, yeah, it's already over. No, because Communicore Hall, they're adding like one triangle a week. Like You've never seen anything like this. There's no one working on it. So anyway, just contrast this. They, they announced it, and then they shut up about it for five <laughs> years. Disney every day. And also, Disney does all this hoopla and all this noise around it. And then they have to shut up and pull it all and now none of it has even happened because they pulled the funding for the play pavilion they pulled the funding for the mary poppins ride they never did the china movie they pulled the the double level um event space they changed what they were going to build and had to add this communicore hall it's all different none of it's there was there were fountains they took away all those fountains there were fountains in the original concept art now we have planners so disney they like it's like all this big like celebration and then what we got was nothing it's over promise and under deliver whereas universal's like we're gonna do something and then a year before it opens they're like look how awesome this is yeah. gonna be and yeah. everyone's heads are exploding we're doing this that's how you do it disney i think i think here's what i will say let me stop messing with my microphone uh here's what i will say I think what happened with the way Disney announces stuff is for years, for years, they were sort of plagued with people stealing thunder, you know, leaks and, you know, whatever, right? You know, rumors, but also like a genuine amount of leakage. Um, you know, they, they had too much Olean and they were just leaking um, to the point where then they started having, uh, you know, groups of people disseminating incorrect information on purpose to try to weed out 
people who were le- doing these leaks and they actually caught, I don't know how many people, but people in Imagineering have been fired over it years ago. So I, th- and then what I think what they started doing, um, is releasing that information on their own. And they started doing that more with their channels. Like let's show behind the scenes. Cause that's what people want inherently. Most people, I think, like watching Zach Ridley pick out paint chips or whatever. This is the color that we picked. So then they go there, they can see it, and they go, oh, yeah, I remember you have, you have a connection before you even be, you, before you've even been there, right? I'm not saying it's done well, but I think that's the point, is to try to, like, eliminate the leaks. But what they didn't account for is how bad they are budgeting stuff and overpromising. And so now they're realizing, oh, no. We already showed all this stuff. We already talked about this. Now we can't do it. Now, so they sort of like uh, created a, a prison for themselves, marketing wise. Right. And no amount of magic wish enchantment is going to get them out of, of that. Whereas Universal, I don't think anybody cares as much. If you have a Universal leak, you're not like, who cares? But if you have a Disney leak, that's a big thing. Um, so I think Universal like, meh, all right, well, we'll just be behind the scenes. You know, <laughs> we don't really care. What, yeah, yeah. So that's, I think, some of that. But you're absolutely right. They just were doing the work. This does make me think of the paradox that Disney finds itself in. And Mark Woodbury said in the beginning of that clip that the attraction, when he gets asked what his favorite attraction is, he his answer is always the next one. And actually, for Universal, I think that's the right answer. Because he yes. said it. Our model is you come here and ride the movies. And if you're building a business model in a theme park based on riding, on movies, movie experiences, well, movies don't have a, necessarily a lot of longevity. There aren't these – there aren't a ton of films that are multi-generational. I mean maybe The Wizard of Oz, like, like even like Back to the Future, you know, they built rides around that. That was huge in the late 80s and the yeah. 90s and probably even the 2000s, but a lot of kids today don't. You know, they're not super like they don't know what Back to the Future is necessarily. So when you build your whole business model on writing the movies, you have to constantly be adding because new movies are always coming out. Things are becoming irrelevant. You've got to change it a lot. Disney did not do that. Disney did not have this come ride the movies. Disney's when you walked in, there's it doesn't say anything about writing the movies. There's a plaque that says yesterday, tomorrow and fantasy. And Disney built a theme park model based on building perennial favorites that are multi-generational, that people want to go back to. So they're coming back for if think about think of attractions like Haunted Mansion, Pirates of the Caribbean, the Tiki Room, Small World, Space Mountain, no IP, no relation to movies. Now some of them do. And these have been around for 50, some 50, 60 years, and people keep coming back. Disney didn't have to play the game of, we've got to have something new every year. Yes, you should have newness. But when I think about it, they've been copying Universal for decades. Universal came around, and suddenly Disney starts putting IP. I was just going to suggest this. Absolutely. So Disney yeah. has now been trying to play the other, the newcomers game. Yeah. But they can't. It's not their model. It's not their model. And, and the, the, the rabid hardcore fan base like us gets upset at that. When things that we like, the things that are perfect change simply because there needs to be IP in it. That's what I don't, that's, that's what bothers me. People always go, oh, well, you know, you don't have, why just let it, maybe it's really cool. Yeah, maybe it is. And it will be, it's Disney will be done really well, whatever it is. Right. But it doesn't need to happen simply for, simply to make a buck. I don't know. If it makes sense, then make the change. If not, don't change it. If you were to ask someone, where do you go to ride the movies? (laughs) You could say Epcot. Yeah. You would never have answered Epcot in 1985. You would say Epcot. You would say uh, Hollywood Studios, Animal Kingdom now, Magic Kingdom now. They're copying Universal. And so the problem is now Universal doesn't have a Fox debt to service, an upcoming Hulu, right? Because uh, they they're, uh, they're under obligation to buy Hulu now. So they've got to put money towards that. Right. 
Universal just has money for these parks. So they have the ability. So the, the rules of the game are being set by Universal. New, new, new. And they've got the money to do it. Disney doesn't have the money to do it. And they have to try to play this game. Equally, Disney has hemorrhaged Imagineers for a decade now. And guess where they all went? All of Disney's legacy Imagineers are working on this. They're, on, they're working at Universal. They're on the Universal creative team. And Disney's bringing in people to Imagineering who worked on hotels at Hilton. <laughs> and so not only does Disney not have the vision, right. they don't have the money, and they don't have the talent to compete. Universal is owning them because they left their business model and now they can't compete. I want you to listen to this um, clip of Bruce Vaughn, who is an Imagineer who left and came back and his. He was my Disney villain of last year in the in the year in review. Okay. Bruce Vaughn is now chief creative officer, I think, of Imagineering. He's come back. This is him in 2013. I want you to listen. When someone asks him about the threat of universal creative. With that Harry Potter thing. First of all, uh, it helps everybody when the industry actually raises the bar. And uh, it also keeps us on our toes. At the end of the day, you know, I feel very strongly that there's so much more to what makes a Disney uh, park and resort, so you know, great. It's it's the service, it's the cast. With me, I just feel like you know, bring it on, <laughs> bring it on. We're ready, and uh, no one can touch us. Get cut at the end. It said no one can touch us. But listen to the hubris of this guy. This is back in 2013, and in 2013, so this is all a decade ago. 2013, he starts off. He goes, oh, what that Harry Potter thing. Yeah, yeah, the amazing thing that's like blown everybody's minds and now they're even adding a third one. Then he talks about, well, it's not just it's the experience, it's the cast members, blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't, I don't think that they have the same cast members that they've had. They have uh, they've lost a lot of them. They haven't paid them. And also the last thing he says is they no one can touch us. Bring it on. Bring it on. And someone tweeted it's today's the day. It has been brought. It's already been brought. <laughs> so it's here. So, yeah. you know, I don't know. And now he's back at Imagineering, but he has no talent. I, I, no talented people to work with, as far as I can tell. I, I will say from what, I, from what I know, limited amount of what I know, the Imagineers are up against budget constraints. So there, yes. there, there is a lot of... What do I say? How much do I say? There's a lot of things happening that get produced through the system. And at some point, the budget comes through and says, no, you can't do this thing now. So I, I don't blame the Imagineers so much. And you, I think you have different information than I do, um, at least for out here. I blame the management of the company for mismanaging the funds in buying Hulu, in buying Fa, in buying all these things, in doing Leo or doing uh, revamps of rides that don't need to be done. And instead of doing something fresh and new, you know, we have Garden to the Galaxy or we have Avengers Campus or something like that. Or it's like, okay, great. But, you know, these other things could be, everything that they have done could have been 10 times better, but Disney just doesn't want to allot the money for it. And that's what I don't understand. That's the weird part about the Disney parks is like they, they, want, they will take the money from the parks so they can pay off debts and do all this other stuff and buy stuff, right? Because you know, whenever the financials come out, everyone always talks about that. Money is coming from the parks and going to the rest of the company. But they don't want to invest as much as their talent is producing to put in the parks, which and, and I would love to know why that is. I'm sure there's a reason. I, I'm not saying that they're all just idiots and I, I know better. But I, I just I would love to know, man. That's why I want to talk to Chapek. Tell me what's going on, brother. Well, the so okay, so some of what what you said I agree with. The there there is, and I think I talked about this on the last episode. A lot of Imagineers are leaving. Yeah. So they are coming up with stuff. They are, you know, they are putting stuff together. Yeah. But so little is getting greenlit. Yes. And getting and getting the okay because it's not Iger. This is like where Jeff Volley, the president of Walt Disney World, comes in. He's not allocating money towards investment in Walt Disney World. And he's not greenlighting stuff. So Imagineers are leaving for a couple of reasons. One, their creativity is hampered. 
if you're only told you can play with, you're an artist, you're a creative person, you can only play in the Disney IP. Whereas over, go to Universal, you can, oh, astronomical signs and mythology and all, like they're doing all this of riding on a, on, a, on a shooting star. That's a much broader scope. You can also work with Universal's IP if you want to, but they're letting their creative people be a little bit freer. Disney, when are, what are they doing that isn't IP? So if you're a creative person, do you even want to go work for a place that's going to dr- put you in such a narrow scope of creativity? So that's number one. Number two, people are leaving because after a while, you want to see something that you came up with to get greenlit. <laughs> so why wouldn't you just go over to Universal where they're throwing money at the parks? Like, oh, I could work here and keep working on stuff. And yeah, I'll collect a paycheck, but none of it's going to get made. Or I can go over there, collect a paycheck, and watch my stuff get executed. So there is a talent drain in Imagineering. Yeah. I'm sure there's probably still some good ones there that are smart. But overall, it's not what it was from what I understand. I, I would and, agree. Um, and I think, but I think what you are alluding to is that budget is a cause of a lot of this. Yeah. It is. And uh, yeah, it, it, I mean, it just, it absolutely is. But, you know, meanwhile, Iger made $31 million last year. But when they wanted to put Museum of the Weird stuff, uh, you know, they didn't have the budget for that. Later. It was like less than $500,000. And you're like, oh, okay, good. This is great. Good, good stuff, guys. Way to go. Wait, our priorities are awesome. But I do like that. I am I am interested. In, we're we're going to take a break after this because we've been yammering. Okay. I'm interested in how the 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 revamp of the queue for Haunted Mansion is going to go. I'm kind of excited about it. I feel like you can't, that's such an iconic thing. You can't mess it up. There's no way. It's going to be great. They're going to have a little, little store like you guys have, the Memento Mori store outside of the thing. I liked that shop. I'm disappointed in myself. I didn't buy anything when I was out there. So I'm interested. I'm curious. I think it's going to be cool. I just think. Universal's built Universal's building theme parks. Universal built Super Nintendo World in California. They're building Epic. Disney's redoing a queue. Give me a break. Well, they're doing Disneyland Forward. Don't forget that. They are they are gonna do a whole third gate. They're gonna do a whole thing in forty years. So we've been hearing about Disneyland Forward since nineteen ninety six. Well, I mean, I, I will say, and this is it. Then this is we're done. We're taking a break. I will say that, you know, Florida has a lot more land to work with, where Disneyland had to probably jump through numerous hoops to get permitting, to acquire businesses to demolish, to get all the space to do all, you know, it's a, it's a lot more to deal with than it is out in Florida. You just point and go, this is where I want it. Oh, and I, and I totally get that. Yeah. I, but, but in Florida where we have all this space, Every time something we get something new, they take something away. Yeah. Like we have the blessing of size, but they keep knocking stuff down and then we get less. Like there used to be more pavilions in future world than there are today. It doesn't make sense. (laughs) (laughs) Put a grease pavilion in there. That's what I want. That's it. Well, this is my, this is a perfect thing. Why are they not announced? Epcot should come out today and announce new country. They haven't had a new country in World Showcase since 1988. What are you doing? This is, you can't, they can't come up with a new gate. I get it. Put in a new country. (laughs) You have open expansion pads. What what I would like to do, and then we're breaking, (laughs) is um, rotate the stupid things. Rotate them out. You can make that, you can make that, don't don't squint at me like I'm insane. I see you. Make the you can make the Italy Pavilion into anything you want. You just rearrange some stuff, you know. Put make fake, false fronts or whatever, and you can just then. But you can have different countries all the time. You can keep that well, newness. I don't even think you have to do that. There's empty oh, okay. expansion pad. Oh. There's room for like sixteen countries. <laughs> Damn, the UN over there. All right, we're taking a break, everybody. We're going to be right back Great. here with end up. We're going to talk about news. Now, instead of just our weird opinions, which are actually very sound and and awesome. It was. Our opinions are good, Jeremy. I think this was a good good rant, unlike our usual ones. This was pretty good. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Hang on, everyone. We'll be right back. In-depth, reporting Disney news that's probably not made up. 
Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thanks for hanging around. You know what? Uh, before we do this, something I've been neglecting to do forever. And if you know me or have communicated with me in any way, shape, or form outside of the show, you know that I am notoriously like terrible at communicating uh, certain things. If I say, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll mention that on the air, but I don't. That's why I need a friggin' um, producer or whatever. But, uh, you know, we were doing that giveaway. Um, what was it for Christmas? I believe it was where we gave a bunch of stuff away for Patreon. And, um, I had a bunch of, you know, just stuff here, whatever. And I reached out to a couple sponsors and, um, I had someone reach out to me and said, Hey, I heard that you, um, that you're doing this giveaway. And if you guys would want to include stuff from, from our Etsy shop, that'd be really great. We'll give stuff away oh, too. How nice. Yeah. And so I never, I have, I keep forgetting to mention the shop name. So go to all enchanted They have some really cool 3d printed, um, Disney artwork. They have these really neat 3D printed uh, ears. They, they like oh. they're magnetic. They clip on the headband magnetically, so you can swap them out really, you know, cool. really easy. Yeah, it's uh, it's really cool. And they were uh, they were very nice people to offer to give uh, our uh, Patreon people kind of whatever they wanted from the store, which is awesome. That's yeah. amazing. So check them out. So thank you to those guys over there for for helping us out. Uh, speaking of Epcot stuff. Jeremy, you say that, oh, there's really nothing new in Epcot. Well, counter to this. Here we go. You ready? Yeah. Disney's fairy tale weddings unveils new Epcot spaceship earth wedding venue. I saw this. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I don't know why it's funny. Like, if, if we had the money to get married at Disney and, and we, uh, at Disney World, excuse me. Jeez, what am I doing? At Disney World and we were, you know, we cared enough. I would 100% do whatever this is. I don't even know what it is yet. And I would do it because I love Spaceship Earth. It's really great. Uh, Disney's Fairytale Weddings and Honeymoon has announced Epcot's Spaceship Earth as its newest venue for ceremonies and receptions at Walt Disney World. Disney says that the venue, quote, provides a dramatic and magnificent backdrop for a private after-hours wedding ceremony and reception. After-hours. Surrounded by lush trees and greenery and, of course, the iconic Spaceship Earth. This fully immersive outdoor wedding venue is transformed at night by the shimmering lights on the 18-story geosphere when they're working. The enhancement of... I made that part up. The the enhancement of a unique lighting display on the Epcot icon, choreographed to music and changing color patterns, creates an epic wedding experience for the happy couple and their guests. And, uh... I, I will say they're actually using the word epic, I think, you know, responsibly here, which a lot of people don't really do. Like, oh, man, going to Taco Bell was epic. No, but, but, getting, <laughs> but having your wedding reception in front of Spaceship Earth, time to the color changing to the beat of the music, that's pretty, that after hours, hell yeah, dude. I wonder if you get to ride it. I think the ride's working. It's barely working during the day. <laughs> okay, um, you got me. I like the idea of Spaceship Earth. If I was getting married there, I would demand that they use classic Epcot evening lighting. I would say, could you turn off those stupid LEDs and just give me the normal glow? Like, I don't want, <laughs> I don't, like, I don't want all that zip zap and pizzazz. Like, the beauty of Spaceship Earth was that it hovered there mysteriously. Now it's, now it looks like the, uh, the flamingo in Las Vegas. <laughs> Awful. I love so it. That's what I would demand, and I would get it. I'm sure you would, brother. <laughs> Absolutely sure you would. But it would send a message. Maybe I will go down there and pretend that I'm shopping around for wedding venues. Ooh, yeah. And be like, oh, is it possible to do it here but not have all those hideous lights on? <laughs> Just to send a message. I'm sure. You know what? What if it's – the way I lo- used to look at complaints is like, what if there's a saturation point? Where if we get 50 complaints, we'll do something. But it stops at 49 because everyone always goes, oh, I'm not going to complain. What are they going to do? Listen to me? So, I don't know. Anyway, go ahead, Jeremy. What you, what, what you got? He gave her forehead a drub over his dress code snub. A drub. God. I actually have a backup for this title. Do you want to hear it? Yes, I do. He couldn't dine with his cohorts because he was still wearing his swim shorts. <laughs> I don't know which is better. I think they're equal. They both I like, win. I kind of like drub. Yeah, I kind of too. A South Carolina man is set to make his first court appearance next month after he was accused of slapping a teenage hostess at a Walt Disney World Resort restaurant three times 
in the forehead while under the influence after she refused to seat him due to the restaurant's dress code. Slapped her in the head three t- in the forehead three times. Oh, like not yeah, like, was it- like beat like tapped on her head. I don't know what this like. It was. I don't know. Was it a backhand? I can't figure this out. Dude, you're ruthless if you're backhanding people in the forehead. Like <laughs> three three times in a row, it makes yeah. no sense. Yeah. John Monroe, 64, was arrested and charged with battery after an altercation involving him. This is from the New York Post, by the way, because I didn't have the strength to write out two articles. So I'm reading this one to you. It's not me. <laughs> I wrote my first one. The inner strength uh, he, is fading. Yeah. <laughs> After an altercation involving him and a 19-year-old hostess at Citrico's inside Disney's Grand Floridian Resort back in November. Citrico's, by the way, fantastic restaurant. Um, but yes, you, you should look nice there. And, you know, the dress code's not that rigid. It's not like it's white tie, okay? Like, you <laughs> just not look like a complete idiot. Uh, Monroe is no stranger to luxury hotels, as he is the vice president of hospitality sales and marketing at the prestigious Sea Pines Resort in Hilton Head, where he lives. Okay, interesting. According to the arrest affidavit obtained by Fox 35 Orlando, uh, deputies with the Orange County Sheriff's Office responded to the resort in reference to the battery. A preliminary investigating re- investigation revealed that just before 9.30 p.m., a restaurant hostess was checking in a family who had a reservation of three. Um, but Monroe was not dressed in, the, in accordance with the restaurant's dress code. He was wearing swim shorts and a T-shirt. Citricote's website states that guests are expected to dress accordingly in attire that respects the restaurant's sophisticated and upscale aesthetic, which I don't know what else it says, but it does it does actually explicitly uh, prohibit swimwear. Um, But I do think you could like, could you just say smart casual? I don't know that I need. To, that I have to be in accordance with the restaurant's sophisticated and upscale aesthetic. Like, yeah, basically fit in with our vibe, dog. That's not a dress code. <laughs> no, it's a vibe Black check. tie, white tie. 100% business. they are vibe checking. The, whoever comes in, like, okay, fit check, let's go. Yeah. Where are you at? He was told the hostess that he would not be allowed to dine with his family. Um, he seemed to understand and he said that he would just wanted to wait with his group until they were seated. And the hostess said, that's fine. But then when they went to seat him, he followed. Of course. Couldn't see that one coming. Right. So he follows them in. But one of the people in his party said, don't let him sit with us. He's drunk. He's underdressed. It's my birthday and I'm embarrassed. So so one of these gals who's with him puts it on this teenage hostess to manage Monroe. Can so, you imagine one of your friends going, yes, I don't I, know. It's my, <laughs> yeah. No, my friends would be like, Jeremy, you're out of here. It's done. We're putting you in an Uber. You had enough. Right. But I, instead, this person's friends just want to abandon him to be, you know, be on his own wherever. Yeah. Like, I don't know this person. Get rid of him. <laughs> so then the hostess tells him, she's like, you you can't sit here. You have to, you're, you're not dressed, dressed right. He repeatedly slapped her forehead. And then he stated her name. Cause he was like reading it off the name tag. The hostess did not sustain any injuries and she declined medical treatment, but she did wish to pursue charges. Deputies caught up with Monroe, who they said was apparently intoxicated based on his slurred speech, glossy red eyes and constant repeating that he was going to sue Disney. <laughs> I don't know on what grounds. I'm standing on the ground. That's why I'm standing on the ground right here. These are the grounds. This is it. He needs some 0.0. He really does, man. Uh, He was arrested and he was released on a thousand dollars bond the next morning. Someone goes back out there. God, watch your forehead. (laughs) Your eye out. Everybody (laughs) wear your helmets. Forehead tapper. That's a weird story, man. And I yeah. yeah, and this is the thing. That poor gal probably gets paid 13 bucks or whatever. You know what I mean? To get forehead slapped by yeah, a wealthy man. Yeah. That's that yeah. in, in uh non-business casual swim trunks. We were doing um 
our last show, Eric did a whole rundown on, uh, it was like a tribute to Dick Nunez, you know, who just passed away a couple months ago. Sure. And uh, he sort of pioneered the uh, the Bermuda short, like the, you know, the Chino shorts, right? And he told a story in his memoir, I guess, about going to a really fancy place that had um, a dress code of a suit jacket and a tie. And Dick, like, he went so far as to, like, revamp the dress code to allow for Bermuda shorts with a tucked-in suit, you know, with a tucked-in shirt and a jacket and whatever. So right. he, he's going out to dinner like this. And they're like, sir, you can't, this is like, you're, you're not with the dress code. You're not, no, you can't, you're in shorts. You can't do that. He goes, what is the website or what is the, what's the dress code? A suit, jacket, shirt with a collar and a tie. I'm wearing those. Seat me with my party. <laughs> I love this dude. dude. Yeah. All right. Don't say nothing about shorts. I'm going to wear my shorts, pleats and everything. I love it. Well, I thought it was pretty there you cool. go. Yeah. Um, Jeremy. <clears throat> A man successfully used a nearly 50-year-old park ticket to gain access to Walt Disney World Resort's Magic Kingdom Park in Orlando. Matthew Abels, who has more than 600,000 followers on TikTok, I don't know why that's relevant to the, to the <laughs> article at all, but I read it, so now you know, discovered the 46-year-old ticket in his family home. In a video which has been viewed more than 9 million times, he said it was from 1978 and was originally worth $8. Quote, it's been collecting dust since before I was born. I just assumed it was an old family keepsake until I realized that it's never been used and there is no expiration date. Wow. Yeah, this kid's like 24, dude. I'm looking at him right now. Yeah, he's maybe uh, his hair's. Uh, to settle the question of whether he had gotten a golden ticket or was being delusional, Abels said he flew to Orlando to see if he could gain entry to the amusement park. Imagine having money to do that. No real job in order to just on a whim, I'm just going to fly to Orlando just to see if I can get into Disney World with this ticket. Just because. I don't know. Why not? Well, you don't have to be unemployed to do this. He could just go on a Friday. Yeah. Imagine having the money to do it. I don't know. Um, anyway, oh, he's two hundred dollars. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, that'd be especially that'd be so nice. Yeah, I mean, that'd be nice. The video shows <laughs> Abel's approaching guest relations with a vintage ticket. After a worker stamped "void" all over the ticket and left the booth, guy said he felt nervous. However, the Disney worker returned with a yellow pass, granting him access to the park. Entry for an adult currently starts at around one hundred nine dollars. For a day pass. Adjusting for inflation, the 1978 ticket would have a current value of $38. So that shows you how that the price of a Disney Parks ticket is not keeping pace with inflation. It is far exceeding it. Far exceeded it, yeah. Um, and then, of course, Disney World says it honors all unexpired tickets as a matter of policy, which is, you know, probably the reason why uh, you, 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 uh, have one, you know three days to use a pick ticket and they have like all these timelines on it because stuff like this can happen no one you don't want to they disney uh you know uh, they only made eight dollars on this kid or whatever i don't know man well that's cool i'm glad that they honored it they should i mean absolutely should yeah i thought it was pretty it is, it is pretty neat i mean that's a good good on him for for doing it and uh uh yeah I don't know. It must have been talk of the talk of the back room there for the day. You know, check out this old ticket we got. Neat. Yeah, cool stuff. All right, Jerry, is that it? Well, I suppose I should tell you. Uh oh. One thing. Uh oh, just one thing. Okay. All right, hold on. <laughs> let me adjust. Okay. Let me let me get comfortable. Yeah. In this seat, should I have special music playing? What's going on here? Well, we talked about it before the show. And yeah. I have to leave in depth. Oh, man. So we've had a good run, though. Jeremy, we have had a good run. Um, we started in 2019. We did? I think so. God, it feels like uh, it feels like longer ago than that. So we did start. <laughs> so we, like, that's it. <laughs> we, we did start basically right before the pandemic slapped us yeah. all in the face, huh? Yes. That's uh, wow. That's wild. So, whoops. I know you you told me a little bit about, it, but do you want to you want to tell the listeners or? Yeah, I mean, on? you know, uh, it's just it's a lot to keep up with, and um, you know, uh, I think it's been something that's been on my mind for a little while, 
and um i'm not i'm not you know i have a job (laughs) (laughs) and uh you know today i think i was working all day and then i was at six o'clock i'm like okay well now i have to start writing stories for in depth and the thing is um that was great and the pandemic kept me going in depth was like what i looked forward to during those times of lockdown and um, because oftentimes after the end of the show, we would sit for almost half an hour, sometimes 40 minutes, just yeah, jaw jacking and, and having yes. a couple of drinks. It was nice. It was a good time. Yeah, it was good. But, you know, we do record quite late. Um, I'm back traveling again. And uh, the thing is, when you're passionate about Disney, that can fuel you. And it doesn't matter that you have other things going on because you're like, I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah, right. But, you know, I think it's probably become evident that I, I have lost a lot of my interest and passion for the parks. Um, I go sometimes, but I, you know, I was saying to you before, right, I, I went to Epcot and I walked around and I left after 30 minutes. I was like, I don't even want to be here. Um, I just don't have it anymore. And yeah. in order to be able to do a job and then also do this, the I needed the energy of that passion for the parks and all of that. And I don't have it anymore. And so I'm sort of coasting on fumes doing this. And I want to be, I want to want to do it. And I don't want it to be like, Oh, now I have to go record. Arizona. <laughs> and, yeah. and, um, and then also, you know, I don't want to completely part ways with you guys. And, and I, I, in the, in the year in review, I said that I wanted to, or no, in my letter to Santa Iker, <laughs> I committed to doing more spectro time segments. Yes. And so my thought is that if I can pull away from this, maybe that would give me a bit more time and energy to focus on because I do still have a passion for music and I could put my energies to that and come on the main show a few times this year so that I'm not a complete stranger, but I can't do both anymore. I understand. I I love you and I will miss you. I miss you too, man. I love you as well. I think uh, (laughs) it won't be the same. Whatever happens, maybe I just won't. Maybe that will just go away. I mean, I don't need to, we don't really need to do it. It was, uh, you know, it's not something we started doing. So, um, you know, it's not like an inherent part of the channel, although maybe it is. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know what the, the future will hold for in-depth, but, uh, you know, I, I do want to say. That's what I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what? I totally understand. I get it. Um, I can't say that I don't get it because i do i don't know i (laughs) i i understand and if i was in your position i would do the same thing i mean you know you don't want to have your the thing what am i trying to say the hard part about being a fan of something is if you sort of make it your identity on your free time and that maybe is a little more you know dramatic than than i mean but when you really get involved in it and you're you you're you're looking into it and you're researching it above and beyond your normal interest level, then it becomes sort of work. And it becomes mm-hmm. a thing to do. And then it becomes a chore eventually, especially when you lose a little bit of respect or perspective or interest in that thing, yeah. but you still have a commitment, you you those the math doesn't math at that point so you, uh, yeah at some point yeah. you do have to figure it out and and uh you know i'm i'm sorry that you landed on the wrong decision but <laughs> <laughs> but maybe one day uh you know but it, you know what if if it if this leads to more spectro time segments i then i i think it's all fine great yeah yeah i know who knows who knows what the future holds you know yeah. uh, just i uh, i have to take a break from it so I understand, baby. And I don't want to come on and be negative. I don't want to come on and be angry. And I do. Yeah. I suppose that means that there is some level of passion still. But the problem is, is like it's it's I've it's almost resentment now as opposed to like, oh, I wish they would do this. It's like now I'm like, they're not doing it. And, you know, I mean, I they probably I, won't ever. No, I, I just feel. And yeah, so even and that's the thing is like when I'm in Florida, I even am. I don't go. I don't want to go over there. I, I'd, I'd, I'd rather do anything besides going there. So it's it's just changed. And, yeah, man. Yeah. Maybe so, maybe you'll become with it. Maybe you'll become a universal boy. It's. <laughs> I don't think so because I don't really love it there. Yeah. 
It was it's not weird. really my place. I think I'm going to just become a person who experiences more of the rest of the world. <laughs> psych. I'm waiting for the psych. No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah. Well, look, man, we'll miss you. And uh, anytime yeah. you want to come back and uh, and read some Thank news, you. you can. Uh, absolutely. And then sure. uh, we'll get- <laughs> maybe we'll have to do what it like did like. You know, I feel like sometimes these news people they leave, but then they do like a special, a news special or a special report. Oh, I'll be yeah. like, I'll be like, uh, what was her name? I can't. Well, this is terrible. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be good to get you back on, especially if there's something cool that happens at Epcot or something that you want to talk about. Come back, yeah. to any show, anytime. Doesn't matter what it is. I feel like Meredith Vieira does a special once in a while when yeah. she left the Today Show. I mean, like Connie Chung. I'm going full Connie Chung at this point. So we're going to do one more, right? Next, the next episode will be my finale. Okay, next episode will be your finale. Okay, let's do it. We'll close out the month. I'm sure there'll be something to talk about at the end of February. Yeah, I think that's good, man. And now I got to figure out how I can put together a best of tribute for you. (laughs) But I don't know. I I need to go. I need to nap. If it doesn't involve, it doesn't. If See? it doesn't get in the way of my naps, I, I, you know, I'll do it. Yeah, is your passion with naps or making best of reels? <laughs> little column A, little column B, man. Uh, you know, I don't know. What do you want from me? Anyway, Jeremy. Uh, in all seriousness, man. Uh, yeah, it's disappointing. You told me today, and uh, I was bummed out. But like yeah, I said, I understand it. Like some of that. It's interesting when you, when you totally understand the the side of the person who's you know leaving because I'm used to it by now. Everyone leaves me. Um, yeah, I'm not like angry about it or, you know, I, I just get it. I get it. Yeah. Totally understand. And while we'll, you know, we'll miss you. So, uh, sure. there's that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, sure. All right, Jer. Love you, man. We'll see you in a Love couple weeks, too. I guess. Yeah. All right, guys. Yeah. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. And uh, until next time. Point kick. Point kick. Point kick.